Good day. This is Brother Jim Ellis with Dispensational Ministries Podcast. Talk to you for a little while about the Lord's loving kindness, His judgment, and His righteousness. The primary purpose of this podcast ministry is to communicate truth, but not just truth that we have personally decided is true, but rather the communication of the truth of God that He has revealed to be truth. God is the author of all truth. He's the author of all wisdom and knowledge. The knowledge that mankind has originated with and came from God and not from mankind. Mankind's vanity and pride and ego often wants to imagine that he or she is the author and final determinator of truth. But that simply is not the way truth works. Truth is revealed by the author of truth. And mankind is most certainly not that author. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 says this, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. One of the true problems with mankind is that the vast overwhelming majority do not know who God is. Men and women have imagined a lot of different matters about God, such as who they think He should be, or how He should govern His creation, or how He should deal with mankind, and even what He should require of men and women. In some religious circles, God is said to be a she, when in fact He has revealed Himself to be a he. Instead of reading and studying His revealed Word and learning from him and his revealed truth, such things as who he is, what he requires of mankind, how he works inside his creation. Mankind does not want a God who sets his own standards for his creation. Many, many want a God who will conform to their ideas of who and what they want him to be and then tell God what he should do inside his creation. In other words, Many, many women want to make the rules that God must obey instead of God determining His will and His rules for mankind. Some men and women look to heaven and declare, God must condescend to my will. I am not going to bow to Him and His will. Lord, God, if you're there, this is the way you're supposed to behave. God, this is who you are supposed to be. This is what you are supposed to require of me. Paul said, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man and the birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. In other words, they didn't like the God who revealed himself. So they decided to make their own God who would 
fall in line with their vain imaginations. There are three attributes here in Jeremiah concerning God that he personally speaks about and desires men and women to know about him. These are three attributes that are expounded on in other passages in some detail concerning him and how he deals with men and women inside his creation. Inside these three attributes, we can learn some important details concerning who the one true living God is. One thing I have learned over the years about men and women, if we know who and what a person is and what they believe, we will have a much easier time knowing in advance and predicting how they will act and what they will do in many given situations. For instance, in the way of an illustration, if a politician's political beliefs, and if we know what those political beliefs are and who or she identifies themselves to be politically, we can more than likely determine in advance what they would do after they are elected. In many ways, the same thing can be said of God. Once we know Him and who He is, we can better understand how and why He does what He does inside His creation. Let's look at the first attribute of God here that He wants you and I to know and understand about Him. Number one, He said is loving kindness. God in every way, the one true, living, loving, kind, and gracious God. He has and exhibits these attributes because that is who and what He is. There is something in the heart and makeup of God that loves us and desires our love to Him. But because of His other attributes, our love to Him must be addressed to Him on His own terms and designs. Being a loving, a loving God and kind God is just one of His many, many revealed attributes. And they must all be known and considered when coming to an honest knowledge about Him. The Bible certainly teaches that He is a loving God. And in fact, that He is love. But it also teaches as another attribute that He is a consuming fire. But many want to ignore this very important aspect of His attributes because they are unwilling to face what this aspect of his attributes means to them. The inevitable result of this attribute and the fact that God is love, but at the same time, he is a consuming fire when it comes to judgment. We cannot simply take one single attribute of God and make that the sum total of who and what he is. And we cannot determine what he will do inside his creation by only looking at one single attribute of God. The Bible teaches that God the Creator shows and gives and reserves His loving kindness to, the, to those who repent and accept by faith the death of the Lord Jesus Christ as payment for their sin. And who are then and only then given eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ and then become recipients of His loving kindness. The second attribute he tells us about here is his judgment. Sadly, many modern religionists claim that God is a loving God. They say God is love. And that is absolutely true because that is what's revealed in the word of God. But 
They go from there, taking that single attribute of God, and they determine that God will never judge or punish men and women for sin. They claim that God loves us, and because He loves us, He will accept us just the way we are. They make a very serious mistake by taking this one single attribute of God and determining who He is and what He will do and what he has determined to require of his creation. God has revealed himself and his attributes to be far more than just love. God's love is not the same as acceptance of sin and eternal forgiveness of sin. God's love is not shown in condoning and overlooking the sinful acts and actions of men and women. His love does not automatically relieve a person of their responsibility for their sin. Someone once said, well, I love Jesus, and he told me to love others. So I love this one and that one over there, homosexuals and drunkards and this one and that one. I love this person here, and I love that person there. Well, that's great, as well you should. But love, true, honest Bible love, does not mean acceptance of another's actions, behavior, or as it is called now, lifestyle. Love is not toleration. Love is not open-mindedness towards what God has determined to be sin. Christian compassion and love is not found or centered in excusing or accepting another's sin and rebellion against the righteous standards of God. I may love in Jesus Christ men who do evil, but that does not mean I'm supposed or should bid them Godspeed in their sin and evil. Or maybe pull up a chair next to them and be complicit in their sin and evil. The Bible has told us to love Jesus Christ in sincerity and not in some convoluted pretense of love. Love that merely serves as an attempt to excuse sin and rebellion against the righteous standards of God. That is not love and loving Jesus Christ. Does a man love a woman who comes home a few times a week and slaps her around? No, no, of course not. Despite what he may say, he does not. His actions confirm or dispute his words. One does not truly love Jesus who blatantly disrespects and disobeys his divine commandments. He said himself, If you love me, keep my commandments. How far has the church of the Lord Jesus Christ so digressed away from the standards of Christ that perversions and perverted lifestyles have become acceptable and even deemed noble? When did it become okay to praise and sympathize with those who openly flaunt their perversions in open rebellion towards the righteousness of and the righteous standards of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I'll tell you when, never. Never has that become acceptable for anyone in God's creation to do. Allow me to try and explain what sin actually is from a Bible perspective. Sin is basically anything we do or say in the way we act or behave that is contrary to the commanded will of God. Sin becomes sin when it violates the determined, purposed will of God. 
God has set some moral standards for practice among his creation, and all men and women are responsible to obey those moral standards of life and conduct. Sin comes when men and women break those moral standards of conduct that go against the will of God. Along with such matters of conduct such as stealing or murder or adultery or blaspheming God, and that's possible in a multiple of ways and manners. He has set standards and relationships between such things as male and female relationship. God's commanded will is that marriage is limited to a male and a female and not between two men or two women. He has determined that such matters as the sexual acts of homosexuality and lesbianism are sins, and in fact is a serious violation of the divine design and will of God for men and women. There are no circumstances where that's permissible, as sex is only permitted inside the marriage commitment and marriage is limited to one man and one woman. Any marriage between two men or two women is not a a valid marriage. He has forbid such things as fornication. Fornication is any sexual activity that's committed outside of the marriage relationship. It is too common that young men and women this age often question the need or legitimacy of marriage. And for them, sex has become perfectly acceptable outside of that institution, and it's little more now than an exercise in athletics. Living together in a sexual relationship, as is common in this age, in this day and time, is not a substitute for the commitment of marriage. God ordained marriage. God has deemed that to be sin and in a serious violation of his divine will. Marriage is still one of the basic and fundamental requirements of God. Sex outside of his divine commitment of marriage is now and always has been sin. Modern thought or advancement and does not and has not changed God's standards of righteousness. Doesn't matter what year we live in. I'm making this message. This is the fall of 2018. 2018 years from the birth of Jesus Christ, if our calendar is anywhere near correct. But because we live in what men and women think is an enlightened age, it does not mean that the will of God and the standards of God that He laid down some 2,000 years ago have changed. What he forbid 2,000 years ago is still forbidden today 2,000 years later. Later, When such things are said, it is common for younger men and women to roll their eyes in disapproval and determine whether that kind of morality is far too old-fashioned and outdated for their way of thinking. But the same standards of morality and conduct that he set down thousands of years ago are still in force and valid today. Just because everyone is doing something does not make it right to do. Murder in the Bible is the willful, unjustified, and unnecessary taking of another human being's life. Murder, and the word murder, is different from the word kill or killing. There are instances when taking a life in self-defense or for the preservation of life and protection of another person's life is not a sin. 
it is most certainly not a light or easy thing. It is never revealed to be so in the Bible. Taking a life is never an easy matter in the Scriptures. But taking a life or killing in just circumstances, according to the justification standards of God, is different from murder. Taking an innocent life that poses no harm or threat to another person or another human being is murder. When an innocent baby is murdered in its mother's womb, that, according to the truth of God, is murder. Abortion is not a civil right. It is murder. Yes, if a woman wants to dye her hair purple, that's her business. If she wants to paint her fingernails green, that's her business. But when she becomes, becomes pregnant with a new life inside her, her personal rights end there. She is carrying inside her womb a separate, innocent life inside her body that has every God-given right to breathe and to breathe the breath of life, and no woman has a right to take that away from that baby. Abortion outside the defense of the mother's life is murder. It's not a civil right of the woman who's carrying that baby inside her womb. Abortion is not a woman doing with her body as she sees fit. That baby inside her is separate, distinct human being and is not part of her body. He or she may be living inside her body, but when it is conceived in her womb, it becomes separate from her body. Claiming that a woman has a right to do with her body as she sees fit is a separate and distinct argument from abortion. But many have attempted to make that argument commensurate with abortion. The two are not the same, and it is fraudulent, and in fact a lie, to attempt to make them the same. Medical science, or any other science for that matter, cannot even explain our human consciousness let alone make a correct determination as to when life begins in the womb, that the Word of God does and has, and our consciousness as human being begins at the moment of our conception. I read where the daughter of some famous politician said here recently, as a deeply religious person, it is unchristian of me to not allow women to have abortion. My friend, that is not only sad, it is 100% a twisted, corrupted, and incomprehensible perversion of Christian compassion. But, sadly, it is a typical example of the convoluted philosophy of modernistic Christianity and their ideas of compassion and brotherly love. Christian compassion and love is not in showing sympathy for the behavior and actions of men and women who openly flaunt the righteous standards of God. That is not Christian compassion. We must recognize that God the Creator has communicated His will to us in the form of a divine revelation. And I am very much aware that the fact for for sin to actually be believed to exist, one must first recognize that there is a God who is the divine Creator of all things. After that, then we would have to realize that he's communicated us in a divine way. 
And then we must recognize that his divine revelations have been inspired and preserved for all of mankind. And there must be something here that we could call the word of God and know that it is the word of God in his communication to us. And there is. We have that book. What many religious organizations have done in modern days, they've made an attempt to avoid their responsibility to to the authority of the Word of God and the portions that they do not want to observe. They just simply change what it says. They put together, write a new Bible, change the parts that permit one to be sinful and perverted as they choose. In the English language alone, there are over 900 new translations which are contradictory of God's King James Bible. Thus, man then becomes the authority and not God. The man or men and women who change the word becomes the authority. Of course, if there is no God, there's no authority. There's no personal responsibility. There's no honest revelation of God. Then most certainly the whole idea of sin is mute. But there is a God. And everything that surrounds our existence testifies to his existence and his actions in his creation. And he has most certainly given us his divine revelation and inspiration, and he has preserved his word. Romans 14, 12 says, So then, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. We can either give that account inside the saving grace of God in Jesus Christ or outside of his grace that is only in Jesus Christ. If outside Jesus Christ, we will be the ones who must face the penalty for our sins. Inside the grace of God that is only in Jesus Christ, that penalty has already been paid for. When a man or woman is in Jesus Christ, he or she is free from the judgment of sin. But if they are not, then they will face the personal accounting for their sin before the God who made them. I could continue on with a long list of forbidden things that men and women in this age want to deny. Just a few, anger that leads to wrath, stealing, lying one to another, malice, bitterness, fornication, immodesty, nakedness, defrauding one another, preaching or teaching false doctrine, corrupt communication, Grieving the Holy Spirit of God, evil speaking, idolatry, whoremongering, covetousness, drunkenness, children who ardently disobey their parents, adultery, effeminate. The Bible says abusers of themselves with mankind are sinners. Reviling, extortion, blasphemy, revenge outside the legal process of governmental authority. Those are just a short, small list. On and on the list could go. These and many, many other things are still declared sin and nothing in this modern age can or has changed that. The righteousness of God has condemned it and it certainly will be judged if not forgiven in the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone say, preacher, are you going to tell me you are perfect and not a sinner? No, 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 no. Certainly. I've been guilty of some of these things and Not all, but some, and maybe many, maybe many. Yes, I've sinned against the commandments of the very God who made me. I've said and thought things I should not have said or thought. I've done things I should not in any way have done. I have committed sins against the righteous standards of a holy God, and that makes me in every way a sinner. 
And I freely admit, I am a sinner. But there's a but to that. I'm also a blood-washed, forgiven sinner by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. There came a day in my life when I repented of my sin. I believed and accepted what God said about me, that I am a sinner and that I have sinned, and I believed and placed my faith in the finished work and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ when He died to pay for my sins, and He was buried and rose from the grave. And in that wonderful day, I became His child, His forgiven child. And He imparted to me His eternal life in Jesus Christ. I was delivered from the penalty of my sin. And Paul talking to some folks about this very matter, he said, and such, and such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. My salvation, my eternal life, my forgiveness of sin, my standing and position is not based or founded in me and in my personal goodness. And it's not in what I have done or what I am doing or what I am not doing. It is 100% firmly fixed in the person and righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are no perfect people. There's only one perfect Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. While we will not always be perfect in our practice, we can and will be made perfect in Him. The third and final thing that He says He wants us to know is about His righteousness. God is a loving and a kind God. But He also is a holy and righteous God whose righteous nature cannot and will not discount or overlook sin. His righteousness demands either judgment for sin or divine forgiveness of sin. His word says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and that the wages of sin is death. Yes, He is a very much a loving God. And He has shown His love in the death of His Son for our sin. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, Love cannot be claimed or defined at the expense and sacrifice of truth. Love that is not founded in truth is not true, pure, righteous, biblical, godly love. So-called love that is not based in the honesty of truth is a mere imitation of true love. Love does not mean and it does not permit a person to continue in their sin. Love is not condoning the sinful acts and behaviors of others. God loves every member of His creation. But that does not mean that He will not judge our sin with a righteous judgment and require penalty for our sin. The good news is in the Lord Jesus Christ. By His death on the cross, He satisfied God's righteous demand for judgment of sin. The death that satisfies God will only be applied to each individual when they accept by faith, the Lord Jesus Christ and what He has done through His death on Calvary's cross for our sin in His resurrection from the dead. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the last part of that passage says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We are free 
to make a choice. God made us free will beings. We can choose to accept him and his offer of the free gift of eternal life and forgiveness, or we can choose to reject the offer of his free gift of eternal life in the Lord Jesus. We can choose to accept it, and as free gift of eternal life will become ours forever. Or we can choose to reject it, and it will never, never be ours. As in every choice we make, there are consequences. The right choice in Jesus Christ brings eternal life and forgiveness of all our sin. The wrong choice brings eternal death and the judgment of God. Salvation, eternal life, forgiveness of sin, Redemption and peace with God can and only will come to anyone when they accept by faith what he has done for them in his death for their sin. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Dan Curry was an old circuit-riding preacher. And he gave this account of when he was riding his horse from one town to another. Dan said it became dark and he stopped alongside the trail and rolled out his sleeping blanket and went off to sleep. He said while he was sleeping, he began to dream a dream that he had died and he was standing before the gates of heaven. The angel who was at that gate asked what his name was and he proudly said Dan Curry. The angel opened the book of life, but he could not find Dan's name. Dan Curry protested and said, My name is Dan Curry, and I have been saved by the grace of God, and I know my name is in that book. The angel looked one more time and said, I'm sorry, but your name is not in God's book of life. In that dream, Dan said he became afraid, and he said to the angel, I demand to see God. And in a moment of time, Dan Curry was face to face with the throne of God. He said, God looked at him from his throne and he said, who are you and what do you want? Dan said, in my dream, I tried to speak, but the words would not come. God once again repeated to him, who are you and what do you want? Dan said, suddenly in my dream, tears began to run down my face and I could not speak and all I could do was fall to my knees and begin to weep and cry. He said it was as if God became impatient with him and God stood from his throne and walked towards Dan and he shouted, who are you and what do you want? Dan said, all I could do was fall on my face and cry and weep and cry more. But then he said, suddenly I felt a warm hand touch my shoulder. And I heard the soft, sweet voice of my Lord and Savior say to God the Father. Jesus said, Father, this is Dan Curry, and he belongs to me. And if Dan owes you anything, put that on mine account. You know, Dan Dan said in that dream, glory and peace filled his soul. His Lord and Savior had taken his place before the God of heaven. Yes, my friend, God is a loving and a kind and a gracious God. But he does not show his love in the absence of condemning and judging sin. 
He has shown his divine love in the death and sacrifice of Jesus Christ for our sin. God shows his love to us in forgiveness of sin that is only in Jesus Christ. If you're not sure you're saved, bow your head and tell God that you right now accept Jesus Christ and what he has done for you as a sacrifice and payment before sin, before God. If you do so, you have the promise from the God who cannot lie that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God bless you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Once again, if you're not saved, I'd encourage you right now. Don't put it off another moment. Come and receive the free gift of eternal life that can only be received or had, possessed. It's in Jesus Christ. God bless you. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all.